0: to sin. That is the beautiful outflow of the gospel. Hey, thanks for joining us here at the church at Suncoast. Take your Bibles and let's get into God's word. It is interesting that Jesus spent his entire ministry by and large in an incredibly small country. Uh, The country of Israel Uh, is barely bigger than New Jersey, 300 miles north to south, some 70 to 80 miles east to west, and yet the Savior of the world who came to reach all men really only left the territory, the the confines of of the the country of Israel one time that we know. I think it reveals a lot about his method, reveals a tremendous amount about his program, and how he intended to reach the entire world. He would work within his men, and he would plant within him his teaching, and more than that, after Pentecost, his very life, altering their values, altering their mindset, altering all things about them and changing them. Because the messenger is as important as the message itself of the gospel. Now, we, we... draw our thoughts from Matthew chapter 15 in verse 21 and the opening statement in verse 21 tells us of perhaps the only time that he left and crossed over the border into Gentile territory it says in verse 21 and Jesus went away from there and withdrew now he, he had done this a number of times in his ministry up to this point But for the first time, it says he withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. These are sister cities along the coast of uh, really what is now southern Lebanon. And it was strictly Gentile territory. Now, he did this for a number of reasons. This uh, was along in his ministry at a point where he was becoming incredibly popular. He was drawing bigger and bigger crowds and really all for the wrong reasons. As he headed toward the cross in this last six months to a year, he needed time with his men. Not only that, the opposition to him was growing. Really, opposition to Jesus in a direct way really only manifested itself in the last six months to a year of his ministry. But he was running into more and more trouble in the nation. So wanting time with his men, wanting time away from the opposition, and wanting some peace and quiet for a bit, but also to run into, in God's providence, a woman in this district of Tyre and Sidon. A couple notes about Tyre and Sidon before we move on and introduce you to the woman that comes to him. Tyre and Sidon have a tremendous history. At this time, they were Uh, Grecian in their culture. They, of course, were dominated by Rome. Uh, They were the manufacturer of really the only manufacturer of the color purple in the first century. If you were to mention Tyre throughout this Mediterranean basin, what would come to people's mind is this is the place where purple, the color, was first created. It was rare, it was expensive, Uh, it was it was drawn from shellfish drawn out of that the basin of the Mediterranean in that area. Um, An interesting note about Tyre itself, it took 9,000 shellfish to produce one gram of purple colored dye. Around the outskirts of the city of Tyre and most likely Sidon also were piles and piles of rotting shellfish. The odor was uh, intense. It was the color of royalty. Because it was expensive, because it was uh, difficult to obtain, only royalty colored their clothes and robes in purple. Uh, Keep that in mind as we go on. Uh, It had been conquered by Alexander the Great, and Alexander the Great would leave Greek culture and soldiers behind. And so, this area of Tyre and Sidon was Greek in its culture, influenced this woman in this way. That was her, not her nationality, but her lifestyle. Uh, It was also very cosmopolitan, it was very progressive. Uh, This was um, probably an upper echelon from the country of Israel, that this area was uh, more prosperous. So the woman that came to him was most likely well-to-do. Back to the story in verse 22, And behold, a Canaanite woman. That was her national origins. She was a Canaanite. Um. Mark tells us that she was a Syrophoenician, that was the area that she was at, and that she was a Greek Gentile. So this Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Uh, The construction of the Greek tells us that she was crying out repetitively, constantly, over and over. She would not give up. And this is what she said. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a a demon. G. Campbell Morgan writes this. No doubt her background and her religion was the worship of Ashtoreth. The worship of Ashtoreth perhaps had sufficed her till then. But when the dark day came, and the demon entered her child, and she cried and wailed to the goddess Astrath, There was no answer. And that's basically the answer all religions in any form give us when life falls apart. And those who we love are suffering, and we want answers. We want healing. We want a remedy. Her God was silent. And so she had no doubt heard of Jesus of Nazareth. His popularity, this shows how famous he had become. And she came to seek him out. Notice verse 23. But he did not answer her a word. There was silence. (laughs) But for the woman, no answer wasn't no. And so she persisted. Now... Jesus does nothing by accident. Every move of his life, every expression that he does, everything was for purpose. Jesus had the ability in his teaching to have several crowds around him, several people around him. And yet, through his actions and through his teaching, to teach all of them at one time. Let me show you what I mean. It is important to understand the psyche of the disciples as they entered into strictly Gentile surroundings. You can imagine leaving your country and going into a completely different setting. They were off their, their kilter a bit. They were off the norm, but more than that, no doubt, as Jews, they were battling de- battling prejudice. Let me show you what I mean by the feeding of the 4,000. We're going to skip ahead a little bit because I want to show you a contrast between the feeding of the 4,000, which is going to happen up here in Gentile territory, and versus the 5,000 feeding of the strictly Jews down in Israel. So skip ahead. We don't do this very often because we're going to get to this feeding, but I just want to show you the difference in verse 32. Verse 32 of chapter 15, it says, When Jesus called his disciples to him, he said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days. There's the crowd. It's up in Gentile territory on the side of the coast of the Sea of Galilee that Mark tells us is Decapolis. He gathers together 4,000 of mainly Gentiles. And after three days, he goes to the disciples and said, I have compassion on the crowd. They've been with me three days. They have nothing to eat. We won't go back there, but the feeding of the 5,000, the very first day they gathered all together, The disciples come to Jesus at the end of the first day and say to him, the crowds are weary, they're tired, they need to go find something to eat. They're the ones who bring the need to Jesus. Why? Because these are fellow Jews and they care about them. Here for three days, the disciples stand back from these Gentiles. They most likely have their own food. They have no concern for the crowd. This is the prejudice of the disciples to these Gentiles so back to our story bound in verse 23 when he says he was silent there was no answer I believe he wanted to hear the crying of this Gentile heart for a need to him to heal her daughter he wanted the men to see that the Gentiles believe the same red blood that the Jews do one of the things all of us if we were honest are born with a sense of prejudice toward people and cultures and things that are different. Whatever setting you were brought up, whatever horrible perhaps thing you heard in your home about other types of people, I'm here to tell you when Jesus Christ invades the life, he breaks all those barriers down. He helps us to see that there is not many races, but there is one race, the human race, and there are distinct people groups by the beauty of God's design, and they all need him. They all need the gospel. They all need compassion and love. Unless you think through this experience the disciples get the message, <laughs> after the day of Pentecost when Peter preached to all those people, it was much later, months later, perhaps years later, that he finally ends up Peter in the home of Cornelius, the Gentile. And it took a vision from God from a rooftop to get him to walk into a Gentile home. This is how inbred and how ingrained, I should say, in the heart of these Jewish disciples, prejudice against this woman. So he lets her cry because I think he wants, and I think also he wants the woman, he's testing her faith. He wants to see if she'll go away, and she doesn't. In fact, so much so, it says in verse 23, And his disciples came and begged him, pleaded with him, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. She's getting on our nerves. There's no peace and quiet. Mark tells us that he went into a house, and he would have no one to know it. Interesting. But it was impossible for not anyone to know it because she was outside crying out her need. Now to understand exactly what the disciples were asking him to do, you have to read the next statement. Because Jesus' response tells us what they actually meant by what they said. And he answered, "I I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What have they requested of him? They had requested of Jesus, would you please go out of the house, give her what she wants, heal her daughter, and get rid of her. Meet her temporary need, and let's go on with our meal inside the house, our peace and quiet. Just fix her, Jesus. They had watched him do it before. They knew he could do it. They wanted her out of their earshot, and they said, just just go heal her so we can get rid of her. But beyond what they wanted Jesus to do, Jesus cared more than just the healing of the woman's daughter. He wanted the woman's heart. He wanted her to come in faith and believe on him. He wanted to teach his men that people are not projects for us to fix, but individuals to love and minister the life of Jesus Christ to. In his delay and and going to her, he was communicating all these things. Notice verse 24. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Notice how he speaks into the very prejudice of the disciples. <laughs> what was what was speaking to them in their heart, he was echoing in their own ears. As they sat with their Jewish friends, perhaps in the house, as they sat with their Jewish Messiah, with their Jewish setting, he was a Gentile outside. And in many of their hearts, it is very possible that they thought this is a Jewish Messiah that you have nothing to do with. He was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, not to you. He is perhaps echoing in, out loud what they're saying in their own hearts. Now at this point, he probably goes outside the house or allows her in because in verse 25, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. Notice the transition between up in verse 22, have mercy on me, O Lord, there's the title, O Lord of all, son of David to the Israel. But when she gets Israel, but when she gets before him, notice the three beautiful words, of passion, and crying, Lord, help me. I just, in my imagination, I see her falling down and looking up into his eyes and seeing not a man with a title, but a man with compassion, a man who she could be simple and plain and clear with him. And this is the place, Lord, notice, don't help my daughter, help me. It's transitioned now to the need of her daughter, who she's connected with through parenting. I get that. I think she was saying a whole lot more than just fix my girl. I think she was saying along with that, help me. Notice Jesus's response. It sounds cold and indifferent. It is not. Verse 26, and he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Did he look around at the disciples when he said the children's bread? Perhaps, perhaps we weren't there. We didn't hear the inflection in his voice. We didn't see maybe a half smile. We have no idea how he said this, but we do know this. The word that he used for dogs was a kind and gentle phrase. There are two types of words back then used for dogs. One word in the Greek is is a word meaning a scavenger, a dog that runs the street and is vicious and to be watched out for. The The second word for dog in the Greek, which Jesus uses here, is a common little house dog. Now, you have pets, whether they're dogs or whether they're cats or goats or whatever you got. You know that over a time they become part of your family. Truth be known, you talk to them. As if they were your kids, your babies, you uh, you play with them. They become a part of your homes. This is the term Jesus uses. It's not right that you take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Notice her quick wit. Greeks are known for this. They're fast comebacks. But she said, "Yes, Lord." She doesn't notice the humility. And the disciples are watching all this. Here's a woman that has seemingly been rebuffed, and yet she refuses to be cast off. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs, the little pets, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. One writer writes it like this about the woman. Against prejudice she came, her own. Against silence, she persevered. Against exclusion, she proceeded. And against rebuff, she won. Notice his response. Verse 26 Jesus answered him, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done to you or for you as you desire. Matthew tells us that her daughter was healed instantly. Mark tells us that she left there, went home, and found her daughter completely healed. And I would suggest to you that more than just the healing of the daughter was accomplished that day. I think the mother had seen something more than a healer. Had seen a savior who was willing to reach outside of the borders of his own people in a very refreshing way to meet a woman who was not chained down by the religion, really of any religion. I think one reason Jesus left the borders of Israel is to get away from Judaism and that constricting, close-minded, know-it-all mentality that religious people have a tendency to have. (laughs) Guard against that. The longer you know Christ, fight off religion. Bite off the idea that you know it all, that you got it all, that no one can show you anything, that you're restricted in in what you believe to your little doctrinal statement. Her daughter was healed instantly. Beautiful story. Leave with you three very important points to make and we'll be done. He always responds to the truest need. He always responds to the very core need of our lives. The reason many times he is silent about the things we think we need is because he is addressing a deeper level need than we have. Man, we all think we need to get back to normal and we want to get back to normal. We may think we need relief from this or from that. We need an answer to prayer in this area or in that area. But in the interim, the reason he is silent is because he is probing much deeper than the present exterior need. The need to get our eyes off commercialism, the need to get our eyes off the toys of this world, the need to get our eyes off a thousand things that make very little difference in life. We're all staying at home. And haven't we all learned that home is where life makes up its mind and home is where the most important relationships of our lives are to be nurtured and grown. Some of you have discovered things about your children you would have never discovered not having to have stayed at home. Maybe it's stuff you like. Maybe it's stuff you don't like. Some of you have responded uh, perhaps positively. You found things about your mate that you liked that you didn't like. Maybe issues you've, you've put aside that you need to work on. He is doing the deeper things always. Maybe it's your relationship with Jesus Christ. You've seen a value that you've never seen in the Savior. You've you've sensed his presence, his peace, when the world pulls all the rug out from underneath us. Man, he is always working toward the truest, deepest need. And that deepest need is always, listen carefully, it's the most important thing I'll say to you today, is always your relationship with with Jesus Christ. Be carefully careless about every other thing in life but your relationship to Jesus Christ. It is everything. It is the the tap root of our life that once it is cut or severed or damaged in any way nothing is right. Number two, he cares for us beyond fixing everything in our lives. He cares about us beyond our present need because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Uh, A liar will never tell on himself or herself. A thief will steal. The mentality framework that we adopted, or not adopted, but inherited from Adam will never go to the core of our real, real need. Our hearts will always deceive us. And thinking I need this, and I need that, and I need this to work out. And that person needs to straighten out. And, and, and all it's all the exteriors around me. It's my daughter who's possessed of a demon. It, it, it's, it's, it's the person that's tormenting me. And yet Jesus says, no, I care about you more than fixing stuff and leaving you alone. Number three, he rewards humility that takes place in the lowest place. Humility that takes the lowest place. Here's this woman on her knees. Here are these Jews, these disciples, who had much to learn about their attitude towards this woman. The ironic thing about this woman coming from Tyre and Sidon in this region, the place that developed purple as a color of royalty. When Jesus Christ was crucified, was beaten, one of the things they put on him was a purple robe, most likely given to him by Herod, the king. They mocked him for that. Here he was in the region that produced the color purple that possessed much wealth because of this commerce. And here among them was the true king who would one day wear the purple color that they provided and in humility dying across, a cross to cleanse us of our sins and to bring us into the kingdom you know when i read stories like this i got to wonder if this woman was in the early church if she was up in antioch as a member <laughs> the people that he touched i don't think were ever the, i know they were never the same again and when the church broke out in the first century i got to believe she was on one of those seats sitting there listening to the apostles teach do you know jesus christ as your savior today have you allowed religion to block you from the simplicity of christ Come to him today and know him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the passage before us. Thank you for the master teacher who's teaching his disciples, those who follow him, the joy of reaching one person for Christ in a region where they were incredibly uncomfortable, that he cared for all humanity, all of us, every human being he died to save. And every human being can cry out to Jesus and be born again. Thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Church at Suncoast. We pray that the message was a blessing to you. If we can be of any help, don't hesitate to contact the church on our Facebook page or at suncoastjacks.org. If you are in the listening area, we'd love to have you attend any of our services. We hope you have a great day, and we'll see you next time.